welcome back to Let's Talk Title with Emrakos Title Services. I'm president of ECTS and host Dion Moniz, and I'm co-host Ashley Bowen, director of operations and a licensed title agent. All right, so today we're going to talk about the top five closing day challenges and the things that we do to make sure that the train stays on the tracks and we actually get to closing on the closing day. Mm -hmm. And things you can do to help us keep that train yes, on the track. Exactly, it's a, it's a team effort. <laughs> yes. All right, so number one. <laughs> Okay. Um, ugly walkthrough surprises. That's never good. I hate hearing about uh, getting that phone call. Hey, we're supposed to be there in 15 minutes, but there were problems at the walkthrough. Um, so let's lean plan the walkthrough with plenty of time. Um, you know, maybe not the day of closing. I don't know why they always have to be done in the, the morning of closing unless we're waiting for repairs to be done. Um, I also suggest if you have repairs that are being done, if you had an inspection done and it said you need to get these repairs done and you asked for these repairs, I would have a reinspection done by that same inspector. Yes, exactly. Don't save that for the final walkthrough. No, let's make sure that it's done. Everything's proper. Yes. Yeah. Get the reinspection ahead of time on, um, make sure the repairs are done. And then do the walkthrough as early as possible. If it's an afternoon closing, get it done that morning so that we as a title company have time to try to work things out if there are problems. So, Because if there are problems, if there are closing day repair issues at the walkthrough, um, a lot of times either y'all are going to have to get a repairman over there to fix it properly or we're going to have to negotiate price right at the last minute. Yep. So... Top two ways you can resolve the closing repair delay issue is one, just give a credit on the closing or the purchase price and let the buyer finish the repairs. Or two, we can do an escrow where we agree to hold usually 150% of the estimated amounts just so there's enough cushion. And we hold the money when the repairs are done, we make sure they're paid. And then once everything's done and the parties are satisfied, and we can just you know refund any differences, uh, but that way the repair obligation stays on the seller, um, and it comes out of seller's money without buyer having to worry about it. Well, and I also see I, I like that second option because if we were to reduce the sales price, then your whole thing's probably gonna yeah. have to go back through underwriting, That's and right. we're gonna have to redisclose the CD and all that stuff, and then we're gonna have closing delays. So it may be best to let us just escrow yep. the money. And we'll do that with an escrow agreement that the parties sign. That way everyone's protected and uh, good to go. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Number two. Number two. What stays and what goes. Again, you may notice it at the final walkthrough. Hopefully you didn't. Um, it can be sellers too. The sellers are thinking that they're going to take certain things. They want to take that washer and dryer that they just bought. Um, but their contract says they have to leave it. Um if, and if there's personal property on the property, also that's supposed to be staying. That's um, something that we have to think about. Um, I suggest either a photo or a video of that you took when you placed when you made your offer. Yep. How many times have we had issues where the house was sold fully furnished, but there was that favorite painting or something vase that the seller wanted to take? And they fought over it because it was supposed to be fully or furnished. Or the seller wanted to take that painting and so they replaced it with a cheaper one or a different one. And then right. the buyer notices it and said, hey, right. that's not the one. But if yep, you have exactly. your photos, you can go back and say, no, it was this painting and it's not the same one that's here. Um, and 
I've had at a closing where the seller took a whole U-Haul full of antiques that they were supposed to leave. And then we ended up staying there all day negotiating back and forth until you know after five o'clock when we finally came up with an agreement and everybody signed. Yeah, um, because so, the buyer had pictures of what was in the house yes. at the time that the contract went into place. And so they had a reference. Thank goodness. Yes. It's and always so, smart. So usually if the MLS pictures are really good, you can reference those. Make sure you go ahead and print those off and save them in your file so that at the MLS pictures have changed, you have the original set. Or go take your own pictures uh, while you're doing the walkthrough uh, or, or video and then reference those in the offer and possibly even attach them to the contract mm -hmm. to be absolutely safe. Um, so that's, yeah, what stays and what goes. That's, I think that's, that it's important for both seller and listing agent and the buyer and selling agent to go through that list when you're signing and also when you're packing. Yes. Make sure that we did everything just right. And it's critical on the front end to make sure, regardless of which side you're on, you understand from your client what's staying with the house, what's going with the house, and specify that in the contract. Because there's personal property to be added or personal property to be excluded. And make sure you... It just seems like an easy conversation to have. And we've had a lot of issues yeah, with right. when it comes to personal property. It's lack of communication. I think it is. I, you, you just got to communicate with each other people. Yep. <laughs> All right. Number three. Okay. Money transfer misunderstandings happens a lot. Um, we now require... Most title companies require all funds for closing to be in the form of a wire transfer. Yep. Um, a lot of buyers don't understand that. Still, still to this day, they want to bring me a check at closing. Can't do it. We, Too much fraud out there. Well, and we need. And we have to sit on the check for ten days. And we need clear. to make that money. It needs to be available for me to fund the seller on. That's right. On the day of closing, and so cash or a wire is as if you were depositing cash into the account that I can then draw off of, which is what we need for closing because we're closing, we're dispersing all at the same time. Yep. Yeah. So if someone brings a check, then those funds can't clear the same day because the banks need more time to process and make sure they're legitimate checks these days. And so technically you're not closed. And so now buyers in breach of the contract. Yeah. Per the contract, it says it has to be collected funds. Yeah. Collected funds, which means and, cleared. And that's so that we can disperse. Wire or cash. Yep. Um, we don't, oh, don't, <laughs> don't bring a big sack of money. No, please don't do that. Um, but so a lot of times, um, every bank is different. Have your buyer call their bank and talk to them about what the process is. There are some credit unions where you have to physically go into the bank and sign a form. Um, I've had it mm -hmm. at closing where their credit union was in California and they had to physically be there to initiate a wire transfer. Um, there are sister credit unions. Um, you can find out that Eglin is a sister credit union to lots of different credit unions over the country, but they won't let you wire. They'll write you a cashier's check, but you can't wire out of that. So y'all just need to have your buyers talk to their bank and figure that out a couple of weeks before. That's a great point. Even yeah. when you go under contract, so they kind of know what to expect. Yeah. Or if they need to transfer the money from their Iowa bank into a Wells Fargo that they can access in Florida, maybe they need to do that. Or if they're using money out of a restricted investment account or an IRA, it takes time. Sometimes that takes days to process the mm -hmm. wire. And so we try to do our best to educate the buyer on the front end. Hey, we're going to need a wire transfer. We don't take anything else. But we need the your buyer help too. <laughs> and or buyer's agent, y'all need to be making sure what the bank 
processes are going to be to get that wire to us in time. Mm-hmm. So, yep. That's caused some closing delays. So that was it a has. good number three. Yep. All right. Number four. What's number four. Oh, credit challenges. <laughs> Last minute. Like, <laughs> oops. <laughs> um, I think hopefully your lender has told you like, don't go buy a new truck. Don't go buy new furniture. Wait till after closing. Yep. No credit changes from the time you apply for the loan until you, when you close, otherwise it will delay your loan. They have it, to resubmit it to underwriting. I really, I mean, it's so sad, but I have. Don't quit your job. Keep your job. I have had a no closing cancel because of a truck before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've had several closings cancel because of losing jobs and that is sad. And there's nothing you can do about that. Right. Um, but the buying the truck or the buying the couch, just wait. <laughs> yes. Um, appraisals kind of fall under this. Mm-hmm. Um, nowadays, under the new FARBAR contract, appraisals have to be done within the financing contingency period. Not so much for CRISP. So there can still be an appraisal contingency for the contract. And we've had issues where a day or two before closing, appraisal is too low and the parties are scrambling because the bank now can't loan the money that the borrower or the buyer needs to close. And so do you renegotiate price? I mean, what do you do in that situation? So renegotiate price is what you want to do if the seller's willing. If the seller's willing. And if the appraisal hasn't come in, again, you have to remember that it is going to be part of the loan approval is that appraisal. And so if you know the appraisal is not in and you're getting to that deadline and you still, I mean, I wouldn't want to buy a house that didn't appraise. So you may need to extend the financing period at that time. Right. Yep. If you are under financing contingency and the appraisal is delayed, in addition to extending the closing date, you want to also extend the financing contingency date, which is something often overlooked um, because the buyer needs to have that protection so that if the appraisal does end up coming in low and it's still within the deadline, they can cancel the contract and get their EMD back. Because the contract states that the, the house must appraise at a value deemed acceptable to the lender, which will be the purchase price or the loan amount, mm-hmm. um, at least. Yeah. Um, and if it doesn't, then the buyer can back out and get their money back. It's with the appraisal language in the contract, or they can renegotiate. The seller can bring the price down to appraisal, or they, the buyer can come up with like the gap, the difference right. if their lender allows it. Yeah. So there are different options if we get a low appraisal. So, and if you have a separate appraisal contingency writer, or if it's a VA loan, which automatically has an appraisal contingency built in, then regardless of when the appraisal comes in, if it comes in low, then the buyer can get out. But if you're under just a straight financing contingency without the additional appraisal contingency, then you got to get all that done before the deadline. Track the deadline. Or you're no longer contingent on an appraisal. So don't do anything with your credit uh, before closing date. Don't lose your job if you can help it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. All right. Number five. Okay. Number five is one that can cause a delay. It can be a challenge. But again, the contract kind of gives us an automatic extension to the contract. It gives us some more time to clear it up. And that is if we have title issues. Right. Title defects. Title defects. Yeah. So if there is something... if. I've had to call it a title defect whenever we had a, um, a payoff that we couldn't get. Um, we had sure. a, it was like a 
individual had the mortgage and um, they passed away and we couldn't get a satisfaction. And so we had to like open probate just to get a satisfaction done. Um, but that was a title issue. We couldn't, we couldn't con- close with clear title without getting that done. And so we had that automatic extension built into the contract. Exactly. So in general, when I say title defect, really it's anything infecting title that we have to do to get clear title in order to close. So it could be a payoff for a mortgage. It could be an IRS lane. It could be uh, any number of things, any kind of title encumbrances or clouds. And so if there are title defects, then the contract allows up to 30 days. It's an automatic 30 day. And then after that, if the seller was unable to clear up title within 30 days and buyer still wants to pursue purchasing, then they can agree together to extend it up to an additional 120 days. Yeah, exactly. But the tricky part is if you're on the buyer side and there are pretty some meaty title defects, it's always good practice. In commercial, it's required. In residential, it's, it's, it's recommended that you put the seller side on notice of those title defects and that you expect them to be cleared up by closing. Because mm-hmm. the contract does say that after 30 days, seller has 30 days to clear it up after buyer's notice, notice yeah. that it needs to be cleared up. Yeah. I mean, we notify the lenders and the buyers via right. our title commitment. Right. Um, that that's not really the same as the buyer then saying, Hey, now y'all need to fix this. Yeah. In form of an email, not a text message, right. mind no you. Right, text messages anymore. <laughs> you got to do an email. Yeah, if it's a commercial closing, the buyer or buyer's counsel actually has to send written title defect notice letter to the seller saying, we expect all this stuff to be cleared up. But yeah, the residential side, us providing the title commitment kind of serves as that notice. But it's still good practice. Like I said, if there's some like IRS lanes can take a while to resolve. Oh, yes. So it's good to say, hey, we expect you to clear this up uh, for closing. Um, okay, so okay. Top five. Well, that was it. We had ugly walkthroughs, what stays, what goes, money transfer problems on the day of closing, credit and financing challenges, and then title defects. Yeah. So be aware of those. We'll we didn't throw best. any lenders under the bus today. They didn't make the top five. No, I can't believe it. <laughs> So um, we'll do our best to try to help you avoid those closing delays. Um, And in the meantime, I think that's going to do it for our episode today. So we appreciate you joining us. Be sure to check us out on social media or our website, ECTS.com. And in the meantime, we'll see you later. Bye-bye.